When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up. Or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting edition of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. My name is Stefan Gearhart, your host for the evening, and joined, as always, is my co-hostess with the most hostess, Mr. Josh Rutledge. Why, thank you very much. Yeah, I didn't mean to call you a hostess, but I mean, you you know, you're gender fluid, it's fine. Or I was thinking cupcake. You, oh, you are a cupcake. Look at you. Oh, <laughs> man, you're so filled with cream. <laughs> Love it. Oh, I just want to put some frosting on you. <laughs> I just want to eat you right up. I just want to eat you right up. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, it's going to get weird today. Yeah. Just going to let you know, I'm hyper. Um, I've What's... been off my ADHD medication for like a week and a half because I'm getting some new kind, and I'm like bouncing off the walls, dude. Well, I, I probably shouldn't have given you that chocolate-covered uh, coffee oh, bean. Oh, coffee bean? No yeah. wonder I'm bouncing, too, plus yeah. hanging with your girls. I'm like, well, hey, guys, what are we doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to be talking about the infamous Hellfire Club. Uh, not the one from Marvel Comics, but the actual Hellfire Club is what we're going to be talking about today uh so get ready for that uh and uh, i just I, I just quickly wanted to just before we even get into anything um i quickly wanted to talk about last week's episode with andrea perrin yeah what an what a remarkable woman like i i've listened to that episode twice now um and i don't count the time when i edited so twice after editing right. and uh i am just in awe by her still like, yeah, was, I, I can't shake her like like Brokeback Mountain, Andrea. I can't quit you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just yes. There was like a um, like a transference of energy. Oh yeah, when she, we did that show, and I get it every time I listen to it. If she wanted to, she could be an amazing cult leader. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, <laughs> Andrea. I will join your brigade. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's get moving on, uh, and let's. Before we get into spooky news, let's talk about the psychic word of the week. 
Okay, so this comes from our uh, cyclope- encyclopedic psychic dictionary book. Um, and I flipped through and I landed on the letter F. And the word that st- like st- stuck out to me was the, uh, the phrase flux days. Uh, in parentheses next to it is biorhythm charts. And what this says is trying, disturbing, and uneasy days that occur for unknown reasons when the body system changes from the discharging phase into the recuperative phase of a biorhythm cycle. This change takes one day, occurs exactly at the halfway point of the 23, 28, and 33-day cycles indicated on the biorhythm chart when the curve crosses the zero line. On these days, one should be cautious of their activities. Um, so now I really want to look into a biorhythm chart yeah, really. um, to see what that's all about. It also says that there's a synonym, which is critical day or emotional cycle. Um, so, so I wonder, um, and, uh, and uh, I am, uh, I'm not a woman, but I've, I have heard that c- cycles can be, uh, for menstrual cycles, they can be varied by the length. So some women can have a shorter cycle and some women can have, so it almost sounds like what you read there. Maybe aligns with like a woman's cycle, possibly. I mean, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I'd really like to take a deep dive into um, biorhythmic cycles and see what that's all about. So, yeah, we'll have to definitely check that out. So, there's a little interesting tidbit of knowledge that seems to be uh, a spinoff of something else, a bigger show. So, Mm -hmm. we'll we'll check that out. Um, But let's go ahead and get into spooky news. So uh, this week on Spooky News, uh, this comes from thenextweb.com. The, uh, the article that I found uh, says, scientists discover strong evidence of life on Mars. Hmm. So what this says is, is that it says, we've been expecting aliens from Mars for decades now. But what if life was vanquished on the red planet before evolution ever got the chance to take hold? Which is something I've thought yeah. many times, and yep. I think a, a lot of people do. Uh, a pair of researchers recently published an analysis of 3.5 billion-year-old soil samples from Mars containing chemical compounds called thiophenes that could potentially be organic. If they are, it would be highly likely that bacteria once lived on the planet. Terrestrial theophenes are considered telltale signs of life by earthborn excuse me, earthbound biologists. The presence of these possibly organic compounds in Martian soil represents the strongest evidence yet that life may have once existed anywhere other than Earth. And before we get ahead of ourselves, it's worth mentioning that even the duo who conducted the research are skeptical. A leading theory for the existence of Martian theophenes is actually meteor impacts on the planet's surface, which would make them abiotic, meaning non-organic. Per a press release from the study, Washington State University, it said, meteor impacts provide one possible abiotic 
explanation. Theophenes can also be created through thermochemical sulfate reduction, a process that involves a set of compounds being heated to 248 degrees Fahrenheit or more, or 120 degrees Celsius for our Canadian friends. However, (laughs) as the press release continues, a slightly less likely but still possible scenario exists where ancient bacteria produce the theophenes. It says, in the biological scenario, bacteria, which may have existed more than 3 billion years ago when Mars was warmer and wetter, could have facilitated a sulfite or excuse me a sulfate reduction process that results in theophenes. There are also other pathways where theophenes themselves are broken down by bacteria. Unfortunately, the Mars rover is not an astrobiologist. And it may take human boots on Martian soil to ultimately determine the origin of the theophenes. In the meantime, the term intends to conduct further research, excuse me, the team does, and perhaps get more specific test data from the rover itself. Now, the researchers aren't declaring the search for alien life complete just yet. While the presence of theophenes in Martian soil is exciting, it's not the definitive confirmation scientists are looking for. And it may be a while before we can say for sure whether life, bacterial or otherwise, even existed on Mars. So let's say it does turn out that the theophenes are organic. Then what? Three million years ago, there were at least four different hominid species roaming Earth. If Mars had living bacteria at the time, it would stand to reason that evolution would have led to more complex life forms, unless something happened to prevent the next stage of biological development from occurring. For more information on this, check out the team's research paper in the Journal of Astrobiology. Hmm. So, you know, one of the one of the theories, I think, out there uh, is that... Uh Either by so there, so there's two things that Martian life may have spawned um, human life on Earth. Right, of course. <clears throat> so either a they were facing some catastrophe and they left Mars and settled on Earth, and then we are the ancestors of those Martians, and we've forgotten that we have the ability over millennia that we can travel the stars and all that right. kind of stuff. Right. Then the other thing is is that <clears throat> when an asteroid hits a really big asteroid like the one that wiped out the dinosaurs it blows a lot of rock from like the one that hit the, from the dinosaurs blew a right. lot of rock from earth into space right some of that rock may have fell on mars so the same thing would hold true if a large asteroid were to hit mars and blew a big chunk of of mars out and that had bacteria on it and it fell to earth it may have spawned life on earth right i mean just much like there's theory that the moon was originally a piece of earth right yep so well actually the moon was originally the theory is the moon was originally another planetoid it collided with Mm. earth and then spun off and became the moon interesting interesting have you heard about the new tiny little moon yeah that's that's um revolve i almost said evolving but revolving around the earth right now it's not very big but it's actually an asteroid yeah well that's what they think yeah they think it's an asteroid that got caught in the earth's gravity and it's it actually happened back. I was reading an article today. It happened back in two thousand and six too. Oh, really? It's yeah. kind of cool. I, I like little things like that. You know, I'm like, boy, watch out, space station. That's a long <laughs> stage. That sucker well, yeah. hits you, man. Yeah. Booyah! Well, they, we, I mean, micro meteorites would wipe out the space mm-hmm. station. So, um, but yeah, you said you've got a spooky news I story do. as well, right? I do. So uh, this was this comes from LiveScience.com, uh, as opposed to DeadScience.com. Well, I don't. Now I'm going to look and see if there's a dead side. Not, um, I'm quite, I'm going to go ahead and hit GoDaddy up. So something strange is going on with the North Star. 
It keeps breaking astronomers' models of how stars are supposed to act. Uh, people have watched the North Star for centuries. The bright star, also known as Polaris, is almost directly above, above <laughs> Earth's above. <laughs> North Pole and serves as a landmark in the sky for travelers without a compass. Especially those on the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. Is that like true? Like Harriet Tubman. And then, yeah. yeah, they were told to follow the North Star as a way to get to the North, huh. as a way to escape the South and yeah. the tyranny of the South. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it says that uh, it's also Earth's closest Cepheid, a type of star that pulses regularly in diameter and brightness. And Polaris is a, a part of a binary system, so that means it has two stars, known as Polaris A and Polaris B. Um, and what it goes on to say is, however, as we learn more, it is becoming clear that we understand less about Polaris wrote the authors of the new paper on the famous star. The problem with the Polaris is that no one can agree on how big or distant it is. Astrophysicists have a few ways of calculating the mass, age, and distance of a star, like Polaris. One method is a stellar evolution model, said new study co-author Hilding R. Nielsen, an astrophysicist at the University of Toronto. Researchers can study the brightness, color, and rate of pulsation of the star and use that data to figure out how big and bright it is and in what stage of life it's in. Once those details are worked out, Nielsen told the Live Science, it's not hard to figure out how far away the star is. Hmm. It's fairly simple math once you know how bright the star really is and how dim it looks from Earth. These models are especially precise for Cepheids because their rate of pulsing is directly related to their luminosity, or brightness. That makes it easy to calculate the distance to any of the stars. <clears throat> Astronomers are so sure that they understand the relationship that Cepheids have be- become critical tools for measuring distances across the universe. But there are other ways to study Polaris, and those methods don't agree with the stellar evolution models. Polaris is what we call an astronomic binary, Nielsen said, which means you can actually see its companion going around it, sort of like a circle being drawn around Polaris, and that takes about 26 years. Researchers haven't yet made detailed observations of a full circuit by Polaris B, but they've seen enough of the companion star in recent years to have a pretty detailed picture of what the orbit looks like. With that information, you can apply Newton's Law of Gravity to measure the masses of the two stars, Nielsen said. That information, combined with the new Hubble Space Telescope Parallax, which Mm. I love the name. Yeah, well, that's a a DC Comics bad guy right there. Uh, Measurements, another way to calculate the distance to a star, lead to very precise numbers on Polaris' mass and distance. Those measurements say it's about 3.45 times the mass of the sun, give or take 0.75 solar masses. That's way less than the mass you get from stellar evolution models, which suggests a value of about seven times the mass of the sun. This star system is weird in other ways. Calculations of the age of Polaris B suggest that the star is much older than its bigger sibling, which is unusual for a binary system. Typically, the two stars are about the same age. Nielsen, together with Haley Ben excuse me, Haley Blinn, an (laughs) undergraduate student and researcher at the University of Toronto, generated a huge set of models of Polaris to see whether those 
models could reconcile the, all the data about the system that they couldn't. Uh, yeah, this is a really long article. I'm going to say um, jump out and read it at lifescience.com. Uh, basically, the nobody can agree. This the, the synopsis of the article is is that no one can agree how big or how old or how far away the stars are. Right. Um, because they really don't stick. Usually what happens when you do a measurement of something, right? You apply one model, and then you apply, apply a secondary model, which corroborates the what's in the first model. Mm-hmm. In this case, it contradicts. So it's just an interesting read about the North Star, that one of the most known stars on the planet. Yeah, if not the most. Um, yeah. uh, and by the way, I did look up deadscience.com. Uh, it is available. Um, I looked up how much it would be. It's $500. It's not cheap. <laughs> um, but I did. I found this really weird because I put in deadscience.com, and you know how it's always like related links yeah. like it always does on that right. stupid site. Well, it says, like, here's a couple of the links, okay? It says science projects for kids, jobs for teachers, photos, pictures, inventions, science news for kids, police jobs, jobs for kids, Green River Killer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like that's it's, how is that related? I have no idea, but I'm a little perturbed because it's like all these like cute things about science and jobs yeah, and yeah. teachers and things like that, and then it's like Green River Killer. Yeah. Well, jobs for kids is a little out there. So but. I guess we're gonna have to research the Green River, River Killer, Killer and do our second true crime uh, episode ever. I'm sure there's a true crime uh, true crime podcast out there that's covered it. Oh, I guarantee it. So, all right. So that's it for spooky news for me. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and move into our UFO sighting of the week. All right. So what do we got for our UFO sighting of the week? So Joshua, this, this is another uh, relatively recent uh, sighting. It happened uh, January 11th of this year. It comes from Alden Williams, Iowa, and it says, I was driving home from downtown and looked off to the southwest and seen an extremely bright light, kind of looked oval in shape, but it appeared also to have red and green lights that were moving, as was the light it looked like. It was hovering, moving in a side-to-side motion, and at times would move quick towards me and then back. I followed it from my house to south of Alden, behind on gravel, taking a video approximately six miles. I got to the highway about a mile south of Old Highway 20 and filmed more. I decided to come home and watch it in the driveway for another 15 minutes, slowly to the west, and then suddenly it disappeared. So this is another one, like the one that I read the you know last week. I think it was from two twenty or two twenty four. It swayed back and forth, and this is another one where it, you know they mentioned that it swayed back and forth. Um, so I don't know. It's like swaying back and forth seems to be whip the, my hair back and forth. I don't know. It's dancing, maybe, or we don't understand how it moves. Yeah, we think everything very linear because right. that's how our machines move. Right. You know, but uh, who knows? Somebody is going to hear this, though, and say red and green. They're going to hear red and green lights and assume airplane. 
Well, yeah. But a lot of, <clears throat> if you actually, so you go back to like the Mothman prophecies, the Eighth Tower by Keel, and now I'm working my way through the um, uh, Operation Trojan Horse, and a lot of those UFO sightings from even back in like the 40s and the 50s when airplanes weren't as like common mm-hmm. had red and green lights. So <clears throat> again, it, it's one of the it's one of those things where I, I question why we chose to put red and green lights on aircraft. Right? Yeah. Why? I mean, it's a random color. Right. It's Christmas time. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, did we do it because to try to, you know, convince people that it's just an airplane? Well, I mean, that's what we were talking about last episode is these these new machines that are coming out uh, from China and even from the United States happen to look very similar to things that have been witnessed over the last 50 years. Exactly. I don't know. Um, real quick, I did look up the Green River Killer just for shiggles. Yeah. And uh, he's a creepy dude. He's okay. confessed to killed over 71 people. Um, 48 of those people, the remains were found. Um, so wow. he's at least killed 48 for sure. Um, and in fact, uh, there is a documentary that was out based on the true story of Ted Bundy helping officials help them find him. Wow. So they contacted another known serial killer right. to help them find a serial killer, though Ted Bundy still claimed to have not killed anyone. Right. <laughs> but he helped people. So is this hopefully not Green River, Kentucky? No, it's Washington. Okay. Uh, I did look it up. Uh, his name was Gary Ridgway, and uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing some research into that because obviously it's been put into my path for some weird reason, yep. so I'll be looking into that. Anyways, uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> want to talk about that anymore, and so that was super creepy, so let's move into Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. Okay, so uh, I've had a few creepy things happen this week. Okay. Ghost, ghosty type things, not sleepy time, hag related yeah. or anything like that. Um, I so work. Um, sorry, I have to recount because I'm still thinking about that Gary Ridgway dude. <laughs> um, so uh, at work today, specifically, our door, like to the outside. I mean, it's your standard latched shut door. Yeah. Opened like five times today. Hmm. It does not do that. It's was never it, done that. I've, I was outside a little bit today, but I didn't like it wasn't very windy. No. So and, it, and I got up and latched it shut every time and shook it to make sure. Yeah. There was nobody out there. We have a cam. I, there was nobody out there. It just kept opening. It happened like five times today. Wow. And the interesting thing is, is that um, I it didn't happen until I started talking to my coworker Dale over Messenger. Over he he works the night shift there and he works by himself. Well, not anymore. We have a new guy that's working now uh, with him. But for a new long guy. time, he's been the only person there from like five until nine. So a good four hours at night. And I was like, hey, Dale, you got any spooky stories of being in here? And then he just onslaughted me with them. Like, I have a ton. I'm not going to use one today because I already have one for today. But I will be reading his yeah. over the next couple weeks. They're pretty good. And they're not all at the uh, at work. 
But anyways, as soon as we started talking, that's when that stuff started happening. Mm. So it was like making reference. Like, it's like, oh, you acknowledge that I'm here because I was sharing my stories, people that have heard on the show before, things that have happened to me there, like the marker sliding across the desk, being tapped on the shoulder and and things of that nature. Toilet paper falling off the... Toilet paper falling off the the dresser. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. So that, that was really weird. Uh, and interesting. The other thing is, is that my boss, my my direct boss. So we're in this old. I don't really know what the building. It's been used for a lot of things, but it's like a hundred year old building. And um, upstairs, there's like a half basketball court. I mean, yeah. it's been a bunch of things. It's been a library. It's been like a, a school. It's been like a gym and different things like that. Well, anyways, there's a stage Um and where the front door is, there's a stage there, and that's where my boss sits. So he lo- overlooks all of us, right? And on that stage, um, anyway, so it's up. I mean, it's it's probably a good, I'd say four and a half, five feet up. There's stairs that go up there, yada, okay. yada. My boss has been out all this week um, and last week because he's been getting his bathroom remodeled and he needs to be there. Dude, I can't tell you how many times I've heard his chair spin or his, like, keyboard click or things like that. And I, I would think he was here, and it would make me – because so, so during the last two weeks, he's come in probably two or three times just to pick up something yep. or something along the line. So I turn around ready to speak to him. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. And I would just get this chill up my spine, you know, like – because, I mean, I heard a chair, like the chair roll. I heard the clicking. He has a really particular way of clicking because he had a hand injury a couple yep. of years ago, so he can only type with one hand. And so he has a very particular way that he types, and I could hear that cadence. Mm-hmm. And it was just super weird, and just super weird. And I would feel it whether or not I had headphones on or not. So very, very, very spooky week. I feel like there's something else, but I can't think of what it is. So I'm going to let you go. Um from this point unless you wanted to comment on that no just um there seems to be a lot of activity in that building oh for sure i i don't even go upstairs like i, I just can't we, like, we should just something about it we should see if they'd let us come they up. would i've half talked to them about okay. it <laughs> <laughs> they would be totally down so yeah um my uh creepy catch-up has been uh again in the form of dreams it, it's so odd i just um, I typically remember a lot of my dreams, but a lot of my dreams lately, like I don't remember anything other than the creepy dreams. Mm-hmm. It's just like so. It's like that's all I'm dreaming about is just, and I wouldn't say creepy is necessarily. This is creepy ketchup, but it's just more, I'll say, um, informative. So, the last like three nights I've had some dreams. So the first one was, um. I think I told you before I had, and this has been several weeks ago, I had a dream where uh, Indrid Cold came to me and he said, you know, I, I, I like I asked him, I said, if you're, if you're what, you know, aliens look like, then how do you explain the greys? Mm-hmm. And he, his response was the greys are androids. Huh. Interesting. So that was a, a few weeks ago, earlier this week, I had another dream didn't involve Indrid, but we were talking about the Greys, and I in my dream I said Indrid said they're androids, and whoever the entity that I was talking with, I couldn't really see the entity I was talking with, but they said, yes, we had to build them so they could help us. Interesting. This will you should hang on to that thought too, because I know soon we'll be uh, 
discussing injured cold with Santosh. Yep. Um, that'll be an interesting kind of precursor, so to yeah. speak. See what he thinks about that. So then the um, the second dream in the in the sequence, if you would call it that, uh, that I had the other night was <clears throat> I was laying in bed and um, I'd like drifted to sleep. And just before I was startled awake, um, I was having a dream that I was in my foyer and there was a bright light outside. Of, it was like it was dark outside, but there was a really bright light outside of the door. Uh, like a, I mean, just like a pure white light. And it was um, radiating like around the door and underneath the door and everything. And I opened the, I opened the door. And when I did, there was uh, just this white light everywhere and um there was these two it was the lord <laughs> no i don't i don't <laughs> think so but there were these two beings that were standing like in the light one was um just it looked like a big i don't know like a big lobster or something Did they have like a little magazine and they were like we want to talk to you <laughs> about our lord and savior no. <laughs> no but but like the one was like a was like a big like lobster looking thing except it had uh four really big like deep blue eyes it's interesting because i've been watching uh lock and key on uh netflix which i highly recommend the comic book was amazing the show does really well too but in it they've got some friends that they call themselves the savinis because they love tom savini and old horror makeup (laughs) effects and stuff and so they make their own movie based off of a local legend in massachusetts and it's this giant lobster creature so when you're saying that i've seen the kid in the suit (laughs) i mean and when i say lobster i mean i just mean to say that could have been it could have been an insect type body as well because it just I mean it has an exoskeleton. Yeah, I mean is, is point lobsters are just the insects of the sea. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's, but it, it had an exoskeleton is the point that I'm trying to get to, and then so it was walking on four legs, and then it was using um, hands to talk or whatever. Hmm. Um, but the thing that didn't talk, used all communication, I guess telepathy or whatever, but um, had very like sharp teeth. Had four blue blue eyes. I mean, I'm talking like there was no whites in the eye. It was just the whole eye was blue. And then the other uh, entity or being was um, uh, red as well. And it was wing- it was a winged creature. It had like some sort of like bat wings or something. Um, and it had it was really weird. It had um, like supports that came off of its head that mm. went up and held its eyes. Interesting. And its eyes were... And that's where I was talking was to you like guys. was like a Nickelodeon character that had that, wasn't there? Like, that had hands and then it held the eyes up? No, no, no. Not hands. Oh, support. So supports. just supports. They okay. Were, so think about, like, Andorian. Yeah. But at the top, you had... It An was eyeball. holding eye. Okay. okay. So that's gotcha. And then... Um, but the eyes were, like, diamond, and they were solid uh, dark red, like crimson red. No whites again, just you know. So, so, anyways, they were talking to me again telep- telep- telepathically, and they said, um, "I said, who you know? Who are you?" And they said, um, "We are your friends." <clears throat> and I said, "Well, I've never seen you before." And and they said, "You have, but most are frightened by us, so we show you something else." Interesting. So. Yeah, this is a theory of yours as well. Right. So that idea that these uh, aliens that are out there, the reason they look humanoid is to project that image to us um, as a way to 
make us less frightened. And, you know, I had mentioned to you in a theory that about the blondes. Right. That the, those that looked much like the Vikings did have been around longer. Right. And so they have learned better how to look like us. Or, in fact, that was the majority of who they spent time with. And that's where the, right. the Vikings and the Norwegians got their gods right. from. Much like Indrid and them were red-faced so to speak, you know, would that be more Native American or uh, South American or even that, or even even Mongolian or even Indian? Yeah. Or or Indian. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's uh, so that was so then. And like I said, what what was weird about that is I I um, like I I was like startled awake. I mean, in 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 Kristen or Kristen was still awake as my wife. She was still awake and she was playing on her phone or something and her light was on. And so I just went back to sleep. But. So then the last one is last night. Um, I was laying in bed. I went to sleep. I, I didn't feel like I was going to dream because it had been a really long day and I was tired. And oftentimes when I'm really tired, I don't really dream that much. Oh, that's when I dream the most. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I'm not, I toss and turn all night. Yeah. So if I, if I sleep through the night, I have the most epic dreams. So I, I, uh, I got the sense as I was falling asleep that there was something in the room. And... Excuse me. I woke up, and I looked straight ahead, and I, I was looking at the curtains. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw a black figure standing there. Now, this was your dream, right? No, this is oh, I'm awake. This is, oh, I'm awake. So out of the corner of my eye, I see this kind of black figure standing off to this, like towards the, the side of the bed or the end of the bed. <clears throat> so in my mind, I think to myself, or I think to it, if you will, um, you're not welcome here unless you're here for good intentions. Yeah, and it shouldn't be with the cleansing that I did. Right. So um, when I opened my eyes again, I didn't see the black figure in the corner of my vision anymore. So I went tried to go back to sleep. Um, a few minutes later, I woke up, or I don't really know how much how much longer it had been, but I woke back up, and I looked um, again towards the direction of Kristen's laying there sleeping. I looked towards the direction of her against the curtain, and it was like. Um, like swirling uh, it was just it was just swirling I mean it's dark in my in, in our bedroom we keep it really dark mm-hmm. but there's a there's a nightlight in the hallway in case the girls have to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night um, and then so that casts a little bit of light into right. the room and it was enough that I could see like it was just kind of swirling and so in my mind I looked at that swirl and I said I see you I know you're here <laughs> um, and I saw the swirl move Mm-mm. and shift. Mm. So then I said again, I see you and I know you're here. Only good intentions. And I saw it move again. I closed my eyes and I focused at my core to send out a radiant white light to protect the house. When I opened my eyes again, the, the, the swirl was still there and then it disappeared. You know, it's interesting that you said swirl because uh, I just watched a movie. I I love watching horror movies, and I, I've been down this, like, satanic hole lately of, of like, old 70s movies that deal with satanic cults and things like that yep. and satanic music. It's been really funny. But anyways, uh, I, I was like, all right, I need a break from Christopher Lee for, like, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was looking up another movie. And I, I was like, oh, let's look up, see if there's any movies on Phoenix Lights. And there's this fictional film called Phoenix Forgotten. And I highly recommend it to everybody. It's a uh, found footage film 
that takes place and it's about and apparently there's a crap ton of similar themed movies out there of like four teenagers disappearing during the Phoenix Lights. Hmm. I don't know which one was first, but this one was actually in the theaters and I remember seeing the placard for it because I thought it was about River Phoenix at first. Honest, I really did. I thought it was like a documentary about <laughs> yeah. River Phoenix. Um, but anyways, it was really good. But they're 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 going around, they're trying to find evidence after seeing the the lights and they see all these petroglyphs which are like a graffiti left over by Native Americans and they see all these swirls. And they are talking about that that was the way that the Native Americans described the flying saucers were these spirals, these Mm. swirls. Um, And, you know, and then they also talk about Ezekiel's uh, chariot. Yeah. You know, the round um, thing like that. And that that was essentially what the UFOs looked like and stuff like that. But it was really, really interesting. And so as soon as you said swirl, that's what it made me think of. I know it's probably not, but... Yeah, it wasn't wasn't spiral. It was more like... um, if you think about like uh, like water with like that's kind of soapy, mm-hmm. and how it just kind of like swirls around yeah. in the water, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it just it, I could just tell that it wasn't like there was something else there. Yeah, you know, yeah. it just gave me an excuse yeah. to talk about that movie because I really <laughs> liked it, and I, I I think everybody should watch it. It's on Prime or Netflix. I don't remember which one, but yeah, but so that's my. Um, that's my creepy kitchen. I do have one more. I didn't remember the other thing, but I did want to say this. So we have been talking to, well, I have. I've been talking to an upcoming guest named Vashti Hooper. Um, she's a psychic medium here in town. Um, she has huge following. She's absolutely phenomenal, and a lot of her predictions have come true. Um, but one of the things that uh, this has happened is that I've dreamed about her. Um, I've actually dreamed about her twice, but last night's was significant. Um, last night I had this dream that her and I were sitting on a couch, a patio couch, like outdoors. It was, yeah. you know, summer. It was nice. And we were just sitting there and we were speaking to one another. <clears throat> Excuse me. We were speaking to one another, but with no words. So not necessarily telepathically. It wasn't like she was saying words to me and I was saying words back. That was definitely happening. Yeah. But there were also things like emotions and colors and pictures um, and we were able to communicate in this remarkable way. And we were speaking of very, very deep things. And then we would laugh about very simple things. Mm. Um, and I just thought that was so interesting, thinking about who she is and, yeah. and things like that. And that I have not even met her yet. And I've dreamt about her twice right. now. Um, and so, but we're going to have her on hopefully, you know, sometime at the end of April or May or something like that but um yeah i just thought that was really really interesting like i'm very interested to meet her because yeah she's already imprinted on my mind right yeah so um but yeah that is essentially all of the creepy ketchup i believe that i have the bottle's empty the bottle is indeed empty before we wrap up creepy ketchup because this is in a sense creepy ketchup is uh on the buttercup brigade the um, the fan group of Andrea Perrin, uh, somebody dropped a really interesting thing. Now, some other things have been coming out saying, you know, oh, the coronavirus was predicted by Dean Koontz or different things like that. Um, but someone posted on there today a, a screenshot of the actual book. One of Sylvia Browns, who's a renowned psychic, she's no longer with us. She was on Montel Williams all the time. My sister loved her. 
Um, but she she wrote a lot of books, and she wrote a book called, I think, End of Times. End of Days. End of Days. And in this book, she predicted what seems to me to be the coronavirus, and I just wanted to share that just to add this to Creepy Ketchup. Yep. So, Josh, go ahead and read that. So, again, this is from 2008. Oh, I didn't even mention that. So, 2008, yeah. yeah. The book End of Days. Sylvia Brown. In around 2020... A severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived, attack again ten years later, and then disappear completely. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that... Right. Besides the, 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 the other part, we, we haven't seen it leave yet, but, I mean, it ain't been around long no. at this point, and, you know, obviously it's not 2030, so we can't see the future from there. Right. But, I mean, that's oddly specific. Well, what's really interesting is there's a prediction above this one. Right. It says that in 2010, there will be a flesh-eating disease, um, like they had several years ago, that will kind of spike up. And so I went back and looked. And in 2010, there was a strand of strep, yeah, that did cause a flesh eating. Uh, right, I remember that uh, disease for about I think it was like two or three percent of the people who contracted that strand wow. of strep. But still, so yeah, I, I'm just fascinated by that. This is not a gift that I have. <laughs> you know, I'm not Nostradamus in any way, or my sister, or Vashti, or even Sylvia Brown. So I'm very fascinated, and I love to see when psychics, in terms of that yep. type of psychic, the ones that can see the future, when those things come true. Um, because that, seeing the future can be so muddled, because the future is not written. You know, and so I just, that's so oddly specific. Sp- specific yeah. that it attacks the lungs which is what COVID-19 does right. creates respiratory issues and an, it's just in 2020 I right. mean and it's moving fast and it's worldwide I yep. mean it's it's yep. affecting everyone worldwide so. so it's what's really interesting too on that is if you happen to google it uh, there's already a Snopes article that says that it's false and I, and I wonder if the person who wrote the Snopes article is just trying to calm people or if it's like they truly believe that there is no uh, you know, truth to the prediction. Yeah, I mean, how how can you? I mean, when you're looking at something that will never be considered fact, right? I mean, how can you? <laughs> and this and this gets into something else that we've talked about, you know, lately is the willingness for people to accept a book that was written two thousand years ago, but not the words yeah. of a psychic, <laughs> right? Yes. God, yes. <laughs> Pun intended. All right. Well, we All need right, to get yeah. moving on because we're 40 minutes in. So <laughs> we need to get to our topic for the evening, which is the Hellfire Club, a dark history and mysterious hauntings at the Hellfire Club. So let's move right into that. All right, Josh, tell me about the Hellfire Club. I know we're not talking about the Marvel Comics uh, no, Supergroup, and I honestly have no idea what you're talking about. So, and you've lost your nerd card yet again. I, I am not. I'm not a big reader of comics. Uh, they don't have audio comics. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's just hard for me to read stuff and stay engaged. <laughs> Anyways, 
Um, maybe if I had you doing all the voices, for I me. would do it. When I used to do daycare um, stuff and summer camps, I would read them a book over the summer, and I would do all the voices for everything. And the, the other teachers and stuff were always like, "How do you remember the voices every year?" And I'm like, mm. or not every year, but yeah. every week, you know, right. the same voices. And I'm like, don't know, because I make them up on the spot. Yeah. you know. <laughs> I do the voices for my kids, but I, apparently, I can't do the voices for myself. So, nope. anyways. Uh, pound, uh, let's see, perched atop an expanse uh, in Mount Pillar Hill near Dublin, Ireland, Ireland, is an old abandoned stone structure. Uh, it is a crumbling ruins uh, from a bygone era, commonly called the Hellfire Club. The building was erected in 1725 by Irish Speaker of the House, Commons, William Connolly. Ah, William Connolly, how are ye? I'm doing well, I guess. No, you're not William Connolly. Okay, I thought we were... I just figured his spirit was here. (coughs) Role-playing. Oh, do you want to (laughs) role-play? I get to be the leprechaun. Ooh, I want to be Andrea Perrin. (laughs) Um, And was originally a hunting lodge, then called Mount Pilar, as well as other monikers such as the Brass Castle... And Bevan's Hill. Man, Brass Castle, that's a cool name. I'd yeah. like to name a bar that. Be like, well, it could be a good band name. Oh, yeah. Same thing. Keith, if you're listening, you should yeah. rename your band to the Brass Castle. The Brass Castle. Yep. Or the Brassel. Yep. The uh, It is also well known as being one of the creepiest and most aggressively haunted places in Ireland. Man, now I want to actually go there. Well, I'd just like to go to Ireland. Well, that too, but um, hey, so uh, get onto our Patreon yeah, <laughs> and become a $100,000 subscriber right. so that we can go to the so Hellfire Club and Guinness. Right. And, and Guinness or and Guinness? And Guinness. Okay. I want to go to Guinness as well. Okay, yeah, that would be cool. Good old harp. <clears throat> so with a, uh, it says, you know, things begin to get spooky from the years between 1735 and 1741 when the building was frequently used as a meeting place for the notorious Irish Hellfire Club, a sort of secret society, who allegedly used it as a venue for all manner of occult rituals, black masses, ceremonies, black magic rituals, sacrifices, both animal and human, and it was generally full of orgies and wild, drunken debauchery. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because around this time is really when the secret clubs were really becoming a huge thing. Like, I'm sure they were around, but they were, I don't know, it seems more public at the time. You know, you're looking at the Masons were really becoming big around that time. I mean, you know, around that time, they were looking to start America. I mean, you know, uh, the Masons, the Skulls, and and just, you know, different things like that were happening around that time. So secret secret societies were uh, posh at the time. So maybe, what is a black mass? Black mass is a satanic mass. Okay. So it's just like a Catholic mass, but to reverse. Reverse should be in the day. Essentially. I mean, it's... if you look into Anton LaVey's Black Mass, yes, it is the antithesis. You know, things like that, but it's just a blanket term that okay. essentially is a non-Christian it, mass. It's a ritual yes. for the purposes of worshiping Satan. Yes. Okay. No, well, not even necessarily Satan, but dark, dark things. Okay. You okay. know, because Crawley was not a Satan worshiper by any means, okay. but he performed Black Masses. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, their motto, which was... Um, Gonna try this, face, secure, 
to Von Dress. Not even close. Okay. I don't know what it is, though, because it's obviously in Gaelic. <laughs> um, or do what thou wilt. Is right, what it which is uh, a very uh, Crowley term. Um, and in, in Wicca, we have harm none, do as thou wilt. So, you know, there's a little difference there. Yeah. But Crowley and those guys and, and Golden Dawn and all them, they were basically do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Um, adding to the occult imagery of the club in general is that they were said to always leave a chair open for the devil and that their mascot was an enormous black cat. <laughs> How funny. I, I told you that I've been taking a deep dive into satanic occult yeah. movies and music and things like that. And I even asked our friend, the theologian, his views on Satanism. I had no idea that this was going to be brought up because we almost had him as a guest yep. today. Yep. Um, but he had to back out because Corona. <laughs> Right, he couldn't call in. Yeah, he didn't want to. He want to catch it over. He the phone. He didn't want to catch it over the phone. Um, no, but you know, he had some other things going yeah. on. But I find that very interesting that there's the devil, and it's. Uh, this is gonna sound crazy, but the devil's been on my mind a lot lately, and I don't even believe in the devil. <laughs> <laughs> um, lived, lived. That's the devil backwards. Oh, li- oh yeah. I. <laughs> now you're blowing my mind today. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so the devil lived as a palindrome. No. Nope. No, it's not. Never mind. Go I, ahead. I saw something the other day, though, that said that Neil Armstrong. And then. I saw this. Neil A. Is alien. Is alien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did we watch the same thing? I don't know. I think we did. I think we must have. I Didn't don't remember where it was. We're on group mine. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyways. Um. I don't understand the... Buzz Aldrin? Buzz backward is Zub. Yes, but you would have to use the, the last name. Oh, sorry. Zub. So it'd be Azub. Azub. Which is close to Beelzebub. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> Beelzebub was an alien. What about Michael? What's his name? Uh, what's the third guy's name? Michael... It's not Michael Scott. <laughs> no. It's not Michael Collins. Michael... No. Oh, what is the third guy's name? Sorry you didn't walk on the moon, dude. No, no. I, what is his name? It's. It, I'm telling you, it's Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> the third person to walk. Ma- it is Michael Collins. Is it? It is Michael okay. Collins. Okay. Yes. Okay. I just pulled that out of nowhere. You sure did, man. You sure did. I don't know what's in there. I'm just. Yeah. I was thinking of Tom Collins. So I was like, <laughs> you're wrong. But no, you were right. It's Michael Collins. So Mike C would be C Ickham. Well, my middle name is Michael, so I I always say Lickham. So Clickham. <laughs> All right, moving on. I don't. I did want to ask you though. What What are your thoughts on why the black cat is always associated with? Is it just because black and yeah, probably just black, and it got associated with witches and. He can sneak up on you in the dark. I guess I don't know. Okay. I've never, I've never really looked into it before. Yeah. There are also many stories of the supernatural around this place um, when it was in use. The most popular being that one evening, a stranger dressed all in black visited the Hellfire Club out of the rainy night. The members allowed him in, and even to join them in a game of cards. At one point, a player purportedly dropped a card under the table, and when he went to retrieve it, he noticed that the Do you have hooves? 
Stranger had cloven hooves. I knew it! Instead of feet. Man, where's Daniel Webster when you need him? <laughs> At that moment, it became clear that this was the devil him. It was the devil himself. It was the devil. Foosball is the devil. And he stood up to go shot, shooting up into the air where he vanished in a ball of fire. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the downside to not believing in Satan is that you think all the shit that he did is really, really cool, and all of a sudden the imagery from, like, Slayer and Hel- yeah. Halloween and stuff like that is, like, really cool. <laughs> well, I mean, just be... I don't know. I don't want to derail us too much, but just because the devil may not have been the... Devil that is described in so many religions doesn't mean that the stuff that he did is not necessarily cool or whatever. Sure, sure. I I see what you're doing there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it could just be a cryptid. Yes. I mean, it's closer. I mean, well, I mean, I told you that the Christians stole the idea of Satan from the horned god. um, As well as other interpretations like Pan and things like that. You know, and they took these essentially good gods and changed them as a way to force these pagan heathens to disworship or start to worship certain things. So what I'm hearing is is that the Catholic Church was the Borg. Resistance is futile. It's futile, yes. Satan is a poo-poo head. <laughs> you are the devil and the devil is bad. All right. Moving on. In another tale, the Hellfire members were in the process of sacrificing a black cat. Which isn't very nice. No. And if you have a black cat as your mascot, why would you kill a black cat? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it makes me want to make you my mascot. Because you want to kill me? Yeah. (laughs) You figured me out. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm going to have to ask you to leave. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so, and when a priest performed an exorcism on its corpse, a demon was said to spew forth from the carcass, in some versions of the tale, setting the place on fire as it did. How funny that they brought in a priest. You know, this is one thing that's really, really interesting. So some of the um, ancient, well, not ancient, but some of the old satanic stuff that I've been reading, (coughs) excuse me, um, there is this massive connection to Catholicism like not even just in like flipping rituals but like a lot of them were Catholics too which is really interesting mass on Sunday black mass on Saturday I guess yeah very very interesting and and that that there was this correlation that the two existed almost together as if um, which really gets into some pagan ideas that the god is two-faced is is Mm. half good half evil and that the devil in which had become over the years represented that side of god that side of god it's also very yin and yang. Yeah, exactly, type. exactly. That there's a balance right. in the force, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so, in yet another tale, club member Simon Luttrell, Lord Inherm, and later Earl of Cump- Carhampton. Mm-hmm, simple. Yeah. Carhart. <laughs> made a deal with the devil to give his soul in exchange for clearing his debts. And when the devil showed up at the Hellfires Club to collect, Latrell ran away. 
I'm sure he didn't get far. I mean, it's the devil. It's the devil. Why even run? Right. I mean, it's like, are you like Robert Johnson, the blues player? Like, did the hellhounds go after him? You know, that's that's what I want to know. What happened next? Right. What choose your own adventure story? Which page am I turning to, Josh? What's next? Am I going to 27 to see the hellhounds get him? Or am I going to 56 to see the devil catch him and hold him in his arms? Or am I going to 92 where I turn and he dies? Because he fell. You know what's funny? When you just said the first page number you said was 27. Mm Mm-hmm. Last night I sent you a number which was twenty seven. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, Angela. Anyways, um, in yet another story: a local farmhand once found his way to the club and was invited in for the night, only to be found the next day babbling nonsensically in a vegetative trance. <laughs> Wasn't that the Frogman of? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> living out the rest of his days in an insane asylum, never recovering enough to even be able to explain what he had seen, doomed to remain a drooling madman. Neat. You know, something there, I mean, it. he could have hit his head. Yeah, oh yeah, he just had a concussion. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> he was just playing some foosball. <laughs> uh, in later years, the building would be moved further down the hill to a place called Killikey House. Literally, K-I-L-L, kill a key house. Interesting. So when we go there, we need to go find the original spot. Yeah. And I'm sure they tell you that in the tour. Yeah. <clears throat> it's it's on the uh, Haunts of Ireland tour. Right. So um, the club's nefarious activities continued, including allegedly kidnapping, murdering, and consuming a father's daughter, Ew. Me, a farmer's daughter, on the <laughs> father's, father's daughter. daughter. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a farmer's daughter on the orders of a notorious member named Thomas Buck Whaley. Not to be confused with Buck Rogers or Uncle Buck or Buckwheat. Yeah, or Wheaties. <laughs> um, consuming though. Yeah. Yeah, they ate her. Yeah. That that happened. Yeah. In the wake of Whaley's death, the club sort of disbanded, and paranormal tales have orbited the location ever since. I find it funny they called themselves the Hellfire Club, and they've lost like three clubs now due to fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe y'all should have called yourself the Hell Pizza Club. Uh, or like, maybe like the Water Club. Yeah, the, no, because then they would have all drowned all okay. the time. <laughs> so... um is see one of the main ideas is that the building itself is cursed. So this is like getting back to the conversation around mm-hmm. dude buildings, you know. This has its roots roots in the fact that during the original construction of the hunting lodge there were found to be ancient C A I R N Cairns. Cairns, okay. Mm-hmm. And an underground grave complex beneath. And according to the lore, many of the Cairn stones were repurposed into the actual construction of the lodge, angering the spirits in the process to the point that it is said that the roof was mysteriously blown right off the building by a terrifying force right after it was finished. In addition to this, the Hellfire Club and the nearby nearby steward's house... So, by the way, a cairn is a man-made pile of stones... And see, they're all over okay. Scotland and Ireland. Okay. Gotcha. A lot of them don't know what they were for because they're from prehistoric times. Okay. So, I ain't gonna lie, I had to look it up. Okay. 
In addition, oh, sorry, sorry, the steward's house had been intensely haunted by an eclectic mix of different spirits. One is the apparition of a huge black cat. Of course. The size of a large dog. Said it to be able to... <laughs> it's just a Maine Coon. <laughs> <laughs> to speak and to have blazing red eyes, a humanoid face. Ugh, it's like the oh, Sonic... Oh, yeah. Sonic pre-editing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the restaurant. Yeah. And to be wreathed in a smell of sulfur, which roams the building and its surrounding countryside. That's creepy. I mean, I'm just thinking about a cat with a human face. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> there is also the spirit of a wailing woman on fire. Somebody put me out! Somebody <laughs> put me out! Said to be either one of the victims of the hellfire centuries ago or a sacrifice, as well as an unidentified ghost that apparently will rip off any jewelry that visitors wear, especially crucifixes. So either they hate crucifixes or they or won't. really yeah. like them. <laughs> right. There's vampires, y'all. I need this crucifix. <laughs> Most unusual of all is the presence of the ghost of a dwarf, believed to have been sacrificed by the club. Interesting, is, interestingly, reports of the ghost dwarf have had a bit of infusion of believability when the remains of an actual dwarf were found buried under the floorboards of the Kiliki House during renovations in 1971. What? For real? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's crazy. See, that's the stuff I like, the pudding moments. Yeah. It's like there's always been this tale of this ghost dwarf, and then here's the damn thing under the boards. Right. Oh. Adding to the ghostly part of the apparitions of an Indian and two nuns known known as Blessed Margaret and Holy Mary, also thought to have been victims of human sacrifice during the club's active years. In addition to all these wandering spirits and entities are numerous complaints of people having nausea or chest pains when visiting the area. The whole place is reportedly a absolutely infused with a sense of dread and despondency. Even paranormal investigators get squeamish at this place. The head of paranormal researchers Ireland has said of the Hellfire Club building, There have been two places I have been that have absolutely got me terrified. And I don't usually, the Hellfire Club of Dublin Mountains and Loftus Hall of Wexford. We were up the hellfire one night, a group of eight or ten of us. We stood in a circle and the next minute there was a thud. It was like a vibration went through the whole building and all the equipment went mental. One of the guys was in the hall and he was a cynic and he said a black shadow crossed him 100%. A tall black shadow. Another guy started getting sick, and then a girl said she heard a whisper in her ear, very clear, and it just said, get out. All in the course of one minute, chaos. That was the first time ever I called an end to the night and said we didn't feel safe. Yeah, so the uh, head of the group, the Irish Ghost Hunters, a crack group that uses high-tech gadgetry, including thermal imaging cameras, and state-of-the-art audio equipment to investigate haunted sites throughout the country. Kelly's team have been to the Hellfire Club on numerous occasions, but have been so completely assaulted by unexplained malevolent activity that they vowed never to step foot in there again. Kelly has said, We've been everywhere in the country, 
at this stage. But the Hellfire Club is somewhere we have no intention of returning to because there's very sinister energy there. I know people go up there all the time, and no doubt it will be a popular destination at Halloween, but I will advise people to think twice about going there, because there's a very negative energy there. There's a really weird sensation as soon as you go in, and it's something I don't want to repeat again for the rest of my life. So it's the only building in Ireland that's off-limits for me in terms of conducting a paranormal investigation. So it is unfortunate that the history of the Hellfire Club is so shrouded with secrecy and pervaded with scary urban legends to the point that it is difficult to unravel where the truth begins and the fiction ends. Mm, interesting. So I wanted to share this a little bit. Um, uh, we didn't really talk about it a little bit, but uh, Sir Francis Dashwood is, is very... Um, popular for one of the starters of the Hellfire Club, okay. uh, him and the Earl of Sandwich, who invented the sandwich. Yeah. Um, they are alleged to have been members uh, during the uh, 1730s. And, uh, in fact, Dashwood founded the Order of the Knights of St. Francis in 1746. Huh. Um, but, anyways, he's one of the main people that they believe was one of the, the big... Uh, his clubs were what really pushed the Hellfire Clubs. But anyways, um, one of the uh, things I found here was talking about Hellfire Clubs in con contemporary life. And one of the things that they mention is the Phoenix Society. Uh, and so this says in 1781, Dashwood's nephew, Joseph Ander or Alderson, excuse me, an undergraduate of Bracenose College, Oxford, founded the Phoenix Society, later known as the Phoenix Common Room. But it was only in 1786 that the small gathering of friends asserted themselves as a recognized institution. The Phoenix was established in honor of Sir Francis, who died in 1781, as a symbolic rising from the ashes of Dashwood. Ashwood's earlier institution, and to this day, the Dining Society abides by many of its predecessors' tenets. Its motto, uno avulso non deficit alter, which means when one is torn away, another succeeds, is from the sixth book of Virgil's Aenid and refers to the practice of establishing a continuity of the society through the process of constant renewal of its graduate and undergraduate members. The Phoenix Room, the Phoenix Common Room's continuous history was reported in 1954 as a matter of note to the college and still exists to this day. Wow. Um, another one that it talks about is in Ireland, of course. This is a number of Hellfire Clubs are still in existence in Ireland and are centered around universities and still meet secretly. For example, there is still a Hellfire Club at Trinity College that meets in central Dublin, while there is also a Hellfire Club at Maynooth University that meets in Maynooth, as well as one that regularly meets in Cork. These clubs carry out similar actions as the original Hellfire Club, including mock ceremonies and drinking alcohol. Oh, no. Not alcohol. Not alcohol. The devils. Well, I mean, it, you know, I, I remember going to, uh, of course, I never saw the real Masonic ceremonies, but my, my grandfather is a Mason. My dad's a Mason. And so I didn't know your dad was, but I guess that makes yeah. sense. So I remember going to some of the, the more public mm -hmm. available ceremonies, and they're, they're, just, they're just that. They're just ceremonies right for to kind of show the passing of one level of your journey to the next level mm -hmm. of your journey and you know there for a little while i looked at 
Um, I remember that you and your friend Jay Kirk yeah, were talking about we it. Looked at doing, you know, uh, becoming Masons as well. But really, I think what what a lot of those clubs, and I don't know this for uh, the clubs in Ireland, but I could say this. I think for the at least for the Masons, is they, I would say in the 1900s became more of a way for socialization. Sure, but I will tell you this, okay. As a pagan, uh, specifically a Gardnerian witch of Gerald Gardner's lineage, um, we have two different rituals. The one we show the public and the one that we do behind closed doors. Right. We are oath-bound. There, there are things I will never share with you right. because of that. Because unless you are sworn in. And even when we have a thing called outer court and inner court. Outer court is for people to learn the ways of Wicca and the Gardnerian path without learning all the secrets. Yeah, And... Um, and I feel that those things like the Masons and things like that, they don't show us everything. And you know the like the crazy levels that the Masons even has that, that people like your grandpa probably doesn't even know because they are right. so secretive even at the top. Right. Um, and like I said, I know because when we do public rituals, it is very, very different. Right. So it is it is it is a very, you know, light version. Um, but even then, I mean there's a lot of things that when I got initiated in into full circle when I came first degree um, I was blown away by the things that I learned mm. um, I was really surprised some of it I, I had seen because of the Alexandrians which are it's basically the same version as Gardnerians he started his own thing but it's almost exactly he's, he spun off of that right. so there's a lot they're very public and so a lot of similar things are out there. So there was some stuff I kind of knew already, mm-hmm. but then there were other things that I was still, and I'm, I, I haven't even gone all the way to the degrees because my coven, um, my high priestess and high priest moved to Rhode Island and I didn't want to join another coven. So yeah. I, I have not ascended past first degree, you know, um, within the Gardnerian path. So there's mm. stuff that I still don't know. Yeah. So very interesting. It is all very interesting. It is very, very interesting. The stories that we tell segue, segue, segue to listener story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the Hellfire Club. Um, you know, very, very interesting. One of many secret societies that we'll touch on. You know, we've got the Illuminati. We've got the Masons that we can touch on. And well, It's just really interesting that people are so um, attracted to those secret societies. Mm-hmm. I think there's just probably like three groups of people there's those who think that if you're hiding it it must be bad those that think that um if you're hiding it it must be cool and those that think that i don't really care (laughs) so well and i i think the thing is is that it's because it's secret and you don't know who's all in it yeah you know and that you know there's this idea that a you're gonna find out paranormal occulty things that kind of shake reality. Yeah. Or you're going to find out that Tom Hanks is is a Hellfire Club member, right? Yeah. You know, or something Don't along say that about Tom Hanks. I mean, you know, you've heard the stories of the Bushes and stuff, yeah. you know, George Bush and them, so I mean, who knows? That reminds me of a joke. Why don't they let do- this is goes back to when, <laughs> when George Bush was in the office. Why don't they let dogs in the White House? Why? Cuz they 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 chase the quails and pee on the bushes oh yeah the old ones yeah <laughs> potato um but yeah i want to get into the listener story because yep, we didn't have one last week because my goodness andrea Perrin, i love you i could listen to you talk for hours um but this one comes from uh a guy 
Oh, that's insightful. It is insightful. I have to pull it up here. Tanner Hickson, sorry. Um, he's someone I reached out to a while ago on the Haunted History of Kentucky. Um, and he, he reached out to me with a story. And, um, you know, he's actually like, hey, when are you all going to read my story? So he's been listening. Like, he's he's really interested. In, and, and it was already on our list for last yep. week. Um, so, But it is this week, and I wanted to go. And it's actually a pretty cool story. Um, so this story, this listener story, which you can send your listener stories to fearscapepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on any of our social medias, fearscapepod. Uh, we'll read these on air or send me your voice. We haven't had one of those in a while. So anyways, this comes from Tanner Hickson. Story time. So me and my family have a farm in McCracken County. It's 97 acres and about 40 or so is woodlands. The land has the Clarks River on the left and the lake on the right. The farm used to have a house deep in the woods near the river where my deer stand is. So, bear with me, it was deer season of 2016 and I'm in my stand and my stepdad is in his. He's probably a good 75 to 100 yards away from me. Him and I are on the side of the farm where the house used to be in the Clarks River. It was probably around 5.30 and it was still dark, but the sunlight was trying to come in. All of a sudden, I started to hear Native American flute music playing. So I quickly texted my stepdad and said, Do you hear that? He said, Hear what? I said, Native American flutes music playing. Do you not hear it? He again said, No. And this whole time it got closer and closer and it got louder, and then it stopped. Now we finished our hunt and got out of our stands around 7. I told him what had happened and what I heard and witnessed, and he said to me that maybe one or two things happened. Either one, I was in a different dimension, theirs for a split second, or two, it was a quick repeat of history. They came to our time. Which both being powered or cause of happening being the water of the Clarks River. But I'll tell you what, one thing is, it was an experience I'll never forget. Hmm. Now, I'm not sure if I, I think I have shared this story before, but thank you, Tanner. Um, when I went camping with Santosh and our other friend out in the David, uh, not David, Daniel Boone National Forest, yeah. Um, yeah, we heard this Native American drumming and, and yeah. what sounded like chanting and stuff. Um, uh, you all, we, we, you talked about that when we did our episode on Native American. Oh, uh, yeah, on the, the creatures, yeah. yeah. Um, so I believe you, Tanner, 100%. And uh, for those who may not know, McCracken County is down around Paducah. Is it? I didn't know that. Yep. I didn't know that. Okay, so funny other, story. Other end of the state, but funny. Yeah, it is the other end of the state from where mine happened. But funny story. When I first moved to Kentucky from Toledo, Ohio, um, when I first saw Paducah, because we our our old youth minister moved out to Paducah, Randy. Uh, I won't say his last name, yeah. uh, but he moved out to Paducah and I had never heard the word Paducah before. So when I was looking it up, I'd only seen you guys had written it down. So I thought it was pronounced Paducah. <laughs> <laughs> And I kept telling my dad, because my dad's like, oh, where are you guys going to go? I said, oh, we're going to Paducah. Paducah. And uh, he kept laughing at me. I didn't know why. And then when we were getting ready to leave, we are like, all right, who's driving the first leg to Paducah? And I was like, yeah, Paducah. <laughs> well, for all we know, it is supposed to be pronounced Paducah. Yeah. Just like other cities in in Kentucky, we Monticello. <laughs> per- Versailles. Versailles. Paris. <laughs> Uno. Louis Louisville, 
Louisville. Anyways, anyway. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, thank you, Tanner. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. incredible. It, it's one of those things that I wonder if it was an improvised tune or if it was an ancient tune that had some sort of ritualistic song to it, and if it was something that if you heard again, would it? Yeah. Would it trigger you? Did it go? You know? Woo woo woo. Yeah. <laughs> Bing, bing, bing. bing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> Hashtag hell year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, thank you, Tanner, um, for sharing your story with us. Send all your stories to us, fearscapepodcast at gmail.com. We wants them. We wants them all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of golem there for yeah. you. Yes, Matt gives me your stories. Sprash uh, but we're going to get out of here. Um, Josh, you need to read uh, the X-Men Hellfire Club. This is during the Dark Phoenix sagas where they first showed up. You're welcome. You can just watch the old X-Men cartoon. It was on there. Okay. Okay. You're, you're good to go. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, this has been a really fun episode. Uh, there was a lot of creepy catch-up yep. and news to go over. Um, and sometimes that's okay. And, yep. uh, but, yeah, make sure that you guys are tuning in to our new YouTube channel uh, on YouTube.com slash Fearscape Media. Uh, there you can find our new YouTube show called Fearscape Unhinged. We've got one episode out so far. It's basically just Josh and I sharing our theories on things yep. that we don't get a lot uh, an opportunity to do as much on this time because we're constrained a little bit. And, and this is just a little free form. We talked about ghosts. We got an uh, upcoming episode on the intergalactic superhighway as well as religion and some things of that nature so be on the lookout for that make sure to subscribe to that and any other josh sometimes puts his thoughts on there and i, I may do the same um but yeah our youtube channel thank you guys so much for the growth that we've seen yep. over the past two weeks um so many of our fans helped us um hit over a hundred subscribes in less than two days um, trying to help us get that URL. And yep. we're so thankful to all of our blanket huggers out there. Um, speaking of blanket huggers, um, don't forget we've got our online store. If you go to fearscapepodcast.com where you can get your t-shirts uh, and uh, mugs or whatever you yeah. want, get, get your Fearscape merch. And uh, Josh, tell them about our Patreon as well. Yes, we've got uh, four tiers on uh, Patreon. Um, it starts at, uh, I think, $5 and goes up to 50 I don't we probably won't ever get Yeah, for those of you guys that don't know Patreon, it's just a monthly support system to yep. help us, uh, you know, get the things that we need. You know, we've had to, since leaving um, WCHQ, we've had to get our own home studio and yep. things of that nature. And it helps us get better equipment, better software, um, you know. Yeah, and, and we'd like to be able to do some actual kind of in-the-field research yeah, I mean, to, I to know bring to you guys. We are going to be trying to go to Point Pleasant this spring or this summer to uh, visit the Mothman stuff and you know it would be very helpful you know to help fund some of that you know yep, exactly so. so anyways there's uh, four tiers and I think the uh, third and the fourth tier uh, you also get a free t-shirt of yeah, your choosing from of our your store choosing. yep any one of them um, so check that out patreon.com slash fearscapepod is that uh, correct actually you could just go to our website oh it's the patreon.com and it links over yeah. great yeah so go to our website for everything because it's there um, other than that let's get out of here unless you have any other announcements or nope. anything of that nature um, thank you so much for tuning in this has been Stefan and I will catch you on the flip side this has been Josh the truth is out there and remember folks hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky good night everybody good night
I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. <laughs> Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fear Skip. Ha 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 ha